As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. A listener production. Everyone seems to be talking about cryptocurrency, right? And we've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchains. But what does it all mean for us, the small business owner? How do we actually make a dollar from it? Well, one of Australia's leading experts joins us to explain it all. It's a slightly complicated episode 544 of the 12-year-old award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to the Small Business Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead, now here's your host, Mr. Timbo And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing madness. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are so ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly what we do around here. That's exactly why this podcast has existed for so long. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Are you finding words like cryptocurrency, Ethereum and blockchain are more and more creeping into your daily conversations? Or maybe hearing that a friend of a friend of a friend made a million bucks overnight through some very lucky, not strategic Bitcoin investment? Then, when you ask one of those crypto geniuses to explain it all, they look at you through glazed eyes. Well, as you know, knowledge is power, and it's time to find out what it all means for us business owners. So I asked those of you on my list what your number one question is around cryptocurrency, and I've narrowed your curiosity down to 34 questions. Then I invited Caroline Bowler, who happens to be the CEO of BTC Markets and one of Australia's leading experts on the topic, to come on the show and answer them. Now, just so you don't get too excited, our chat is very much centred around how business owners can make best use of cryptocurrency, right? And not how we can make a million dollars from investing in Bitcoin overnight. Sorry about that. Although I do ask Caroline on more than one occasion how we could do that. Bit cheeky, I know. Her answer may or may not surprise you. I started off by asking Caroline to explain the basics, like what is cryptocurrency? So the underlying crypto piece 
comes from the cryptography that is driving the technology. I can see the puzzled faces already. Oh goodness, this is going to be good. Okay, so so cryptocurrency, it's it's a digital currency. It's just, just digital. It's just put in a digital format. And I think this is what people struggle with to try and comprehend. I think the crypto piece kind of scares people. People get a bit antsy about well, what does that mean? And what, what the whole point with the likes of Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, although Bitcoin's the best known, the point behind them is that whereas the money in your wallet is generated back by the central bank, by the RBA in this case, or US Treasury if you're looking at US dollar. There is no underlying central figure that's looking after cryptocurrency. It's trustless. And so the cryptography piece, the crypto moniker, is to indicate that instead of having trust, we have cryptography behind it. So we've got very, very sophisticated maths, basically, that ensures that we don't need to have a third party like a central bank or other banks in the middle of it. So they call it a peer-to-peer, which basically means person-to-person. Mm-hmm. So it means that, say, for example, if you're buying a house, you know, you generally have to go through a, a bank in order to facilitate either the loaning of the money or the facilitation of the cash flow. There's always a third party that it has to go through. Where it's person-to-person, you've stripped out that bank, that intermediary, and instead you're using cryptography to make sure that what you say is going to happen, happened. Mm-hmm. And so the money is going to be received and sent on both sides. Wow. So the whole point of for, for Bitcoin, what, what's the cool, the cool, cool, cool piece about Bitcoin for payment nerds like me? What's cool about Bitcoin is the fact that they have managed to set up a ledger in such a way that they can time it. They know exactly all the ins and all the outs. Everybody agrees to it. You can't go back and change it. It's immutable. It can never be changed. There's a permanent record of all of the, we'll call it money, the cryptocurrency or, or the token, whatever, that's going in and out of that ledger. A permanent record. You, you used Bitcoin as an example, is, and I'm going to ask you about all the other cryptocurrencies, but did you just use Bitcoin as an example because we all know that brand name? Yes. Okay, but they all have the same encryption happening for them. Correct. Okay, so that raises the point around hacking. I recently had Australia's leading cyber hacking expert on this podcast. He used to be a black hat hacker. Wow. Now he's gone to the good side. I just have this impression that the black hats are smarter than the white hats. <laughs> so they've, and I, and I, I have no basis for that. But on that assumption, and tell me that they're not, tell me that the white hats will always win. But on the assumption that there are some pretty smart black hat hackers out there, how safe is cryptocurrency? Well, they're not hacking the blockchain. That's the point. Well, what's that? So the blockchain is that record that we spoke about. The ledger. The ledger. So blockchain, blockchain's got a fancy name. So it's basically just blocks of data all connected together in like a daisy chain. So think of like a daisy chain where it's all threaded through. So that's all the blocks of data all threaded through. And when we talk about that cryptography piece, it's cryptography that links up all these data blocks together. So it's like, you know, when you're doing the daisy chain and you kind of make a little hole at the end of the of the stem to push that other one through. In this case, rather than using your fingernail, it's basically cryptography that creates that link. 
And that's what it does to create the whole chain the whole way through. So that's a blockchain. So it's just blocks of data. So anyone who's hacking isn't hacking into that blockchain because it, that cannot be done. But if they're going to hack something, they'll hack other systems that are um, more penetrable or, or have weaker defences. That's not to say that they aren't incredibly robust, but it's also to the point that there are some very clever people out there. That they're, they're, but it's not the blockchain that, that they're getting their evil paws on. That's not where they're going. Because the minute cryptocurrency is hacked, you could almost argue it's the end of cryptocurrency because people will lose complete faith. That's the point of this, is that that's not to say that it is. it can never be hacked because I don't think anybody should ever talk in absolutes. But if technology has reached the point where they can break through the cryptography behind a blockchain, then we're in a, in a different time in computing. So if we're at that stage, then we've already gone to such an evolutionary point in computing that we're talking about something else completely different anyway. So it's not to say that it can be done, but at current levels, it would be incredibly difficult to be done. And that's why people back I it. love the fact that you're explaining something incredibly, what appears complicated to me and others using the analogy of a <laughs> daisy chain. So thank you. And uh, you, t- you took me back. I think the last daisy chain I made was prep. <laughs> there you go. But you, you still remember it, don't you? <laughs> you I do. You those skills. It's lovely. <laughs> Next time someone asks me about crypto, I'm just going to go, do you remember Daisy Chains? Yeah, cool. So tell me who invented cryptocurrency, when, and why does it exist? Okay, so the best known is the Bitcoin is the big mama. That was the precursor. There was a version before, but not nowhere near as well known. So invented by personal persons known as Satoshi Nakamoto, who published a white paper outlining this peer-to-peer transaction. Now, all that sounds quite nefarious and a bit scary because no one knows who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Really? Could be one person. No one knows. No one knows. It's a person's name. It is a name, but no one knows if it's one person, a group of people, or, or where they're from, or how they all came together. No one knows because the point of this, this came out of cryptography. That's the roots of this. It came out of cryptography 2008, 2009. And for those of us who've been around long enough, remember what was happening back at that point in the world. And so it comes against a backdrop of questioning of the global economy, questioning of our financial institutions. So it was a perfect backdrop for it. And so here's the argument behind this white paper is one of it being peer-to-peer, removing that middle person and using all of their wealth of experience and knowledge using cryptography. So that's its roots, that's its origin story. So it wasn't some kind of plot to take over the world or anything like that. There was nothing at all like that. It's just people who came together in a community and this white paper was floated. Do you know one of the problems I see with it from a perception point of view for the average Joe out in the street is that the, the reason we all know about it, just, again, the average Joe out in the street, is because all these people two years ago, I can't remember the time frame on it, but they were just making so much money, right? And the only analogy I can draw is to pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes, the pilot game, all those sort of games that happened 
in years gone by where you'd, you'd give someone who you didn't know some money over the internet and you either lost all that money or it came back three, four, tenfold. And this seems the same. I know it's not, but there's a sort of risk, I suppose, a perception thing where someone, is there an association? Is there a, you know some kind of overarching world board that says we need, we have a marketing problem and we need an advertising campaign to fix it. You're, you're shaking your head. Yeah, there isn't really, that's the point with Bitcoin in particular, just to talk about Bitcoin. There isn't really a finger to point at. There's a Bitcoin foundation in there, there are other, but it, it, that's not the spirit, the ethos, the whole point behind Bitcoin. There's not supposed to be a parental figure looking over their shoulder with Bitcoin. Where it started off when it was as this this payments thing. I know that that's a conception that people still have in their mind that this is just for use for payments, but it's evolved past that and it's become the store of value. So it's become another type of gold, if you like, for investment. So and so rather than it being a Ponzi scheme or what have you, because it was 2017 when it all went gangbusters, rather than being a Ponzi scheme, I think it's been more about it maturing people understanding the purpose of it, people becoming more educated around the underlying tech and and the opportunity with it, and just looking at it from a very, rather than looking at it as a piling, get rich quick, leave, they're looking at it going, okay, because this is something that we found quite interesting when we looked at the investors on our platform. We surveyed them, I think it was just last month, and we asked of those who hold Bitcoin, What's the time frame that you're holding it for? Over half were holding it for over one year. And of that, over 20% were holding it for longer than three years. In other words, people aren't selling. And there was another thing I was looking through kind of the topics that we, that we kicked about for our discussion today. And I thought about payments. 74% of our investors don't intend to use it for payments. They see this as a store of value, something that they're going to sit on. It's it's an investment. Yeah, that they're going to appreciate and value. That's the perception. What are the things around that? And we will come to investment later on. That doesn't really bode well for all the small business owners listening who are thinking, is this a way of pricing things and receiving payment and paying suppliers? But we'll come to that. Tell me, I'm just going to move on. Cryptocurrency, you keep using Bitcoin. There are many cryptocurrencies, right? Thousands. Thousands. thousands, See, that alone. Thousands. Because, but here's the thing, right? the whole point of a cryptocurrency, it's the technology, it's the crypto underpinning it. That's why it's called a cryptocurrency. And there's now a broader, within financial services anyway, there's now like a broader church called like digital assets, where they're digitizing and putting onto a digital platform what would have been traditional securities, like as in company stocks and shares, Bonds, they're all now becoming digitalized using blockchain or tokenized basically using blockchain technology. So they're not cryptocurrency in that these cryptocurrency projects are all kind of under the umbrella term of digital assets, but they're now building out what would have been traditional financial services except in a digital platform. And it's going to take on an increasingly digital flavor because it differs. Like the behavior of a digital market differs from a traditional. But for the point of this, rather than going off down that segue, well, we'll just stick to the fact that yes, there's thousands of cryptocurrencies and the point that underpins them is that cryptography element so that trustless decentralized element you, it, you don't have to rely on one single body to to verify it's true to frame this in my mind and others minds do we look at this as there are thousands of shares on the asx you could do 
And so there are thousands of cryptocurrencies, albeit they're different modes of investment, different modes of currency, but that's how we look at it. There's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum, there's Coin, there's just so many. And that we just sort of look at them a, a bit like shares? You could do. Well, I, what I would say is that you look at them in the way you look at shares in the sense of you'd read the portfolio or you'd read the white paper or you do some research into them before you start you know, putting in any further investment behind them. Yeah, absolutely. But there's different types. So, so Bitcoin is the store of value, right? So that's, we think of it as, the, as digital gold, which is somewhat of a true nickname, so digital. But then you've got Ethereum, which is the second biggest, also a cryptocurrency, but its use case, very, very different. So what it said, Ethereum- What do you mean a, use case? So we call it a utility token. And let me explain what that means. So the age of the internet when it came about and you needed to build on a website. So it would be like as if Ethereum is saying, here's a blank slate website, use our blank slate website and build your business on top of this. So what it's doing is so for the, for the blockchain economy, Ethereum is coming out and said, here's our blockchain, basic raw utilitarian IKEA pack, build it yourself and then add your own add-ons as you go through. So that's Ethereum. So that's the second biggest one. Why that's important is that the rate of adoption for that particular blockchain has been, it's the most popular one out there in terms of creating use. But it also has this thing called smart contracts. So it has tokens, you know, the, the Ethereum tokens, which you use to pay for using that service. But it's got this function called smart contracts. And this is where it's really interesting. So same with way that to settle on the Bitcoin, you know, that you, it's trustless, there isn't a third party. Smart contracts take the same idea and say, we don't need a third party to settle contracts. And the best example I can give you of a smart contract would be in insurance. So say you have um, holiday insurance, like travel insurance, that day in the future when we're all allowed to travel overseas yeah. again, and you are in Paris and there has been tremendous uh, thunderstorm has come through. All the planes at Charles de Gaulle are now grounded and you're all going to be put up in a hotel. So for you, you take out your app where, where you have your travel insurance. Say, you know, you're, you're basically activating your insurance. Using smart contracts and a thing called an oracle, all on blockchain, they verify that the thunderstorm has come in. They verify that you were on that flight in Paris. They verify that that flight is now grounded. They verify that you're now in a hotel and therefore need access to your insurance. And they and then through smart contracts, no human touch, bing, 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 and they pay you your money like that. So instead of it being where before you'd have to submit all the forms and they'd have to jump through all the hoops and they'd have to verify all that information using this blockchain underpinning and smart contract execution, they take out that third party, they verify this information through a system called an Oracle all through this latest take and it's all done. So it cuts out, particularly for businesses who are looking for payments or contracts, shorter payment cycles, smart contracts, should dramatically shorten because a third party verifies Is it. that smart contract feature specific to Ethereum or that is part of any cryptocurrency? No, you are correct. It is only with Ethereum right now. Right. So each cryptocurrency brings with it its own set of features. So they're not all the same. 
Correct. Jesus, this is a marketing. This is a marketer's dream and nightmare all at the same time. <laughs> trying to get because the language that you're using and you're used to it. You're in the industry, but you know the language and the the terms. I mean, it's scary. Yeah, but hey, hey, here's the thing. It still blows my mind. Like, you wouldn't be in this industry if your mind wasn't getting blown on a regular basis of, like, look at how far it's come. You know, it's 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 fascinating and fantastic. And and I kind of described... So when I first started university back, back, back in the day, and I wasn't doing any computer subjects, but my friends were, and they snuck me into the postgraduate computer lab in this university in Ireland. And we got to see this early stage where they had a computer at one end of the lab and another at the other end. And you had, rather like we have now, these cameras hooded on top of the computers. And wow, our minds were blown because we like delayed kind of screens of images between us and the person at the end of the room. And I thought I have seen the future. And now it feels like that now yeah. where I feel like as if I've snuck back into that postgraduate right. lab. I'm kind of like emailing home and going, oh my God, you'll never guess what I can do now. <laughs> And that's my job. That's what I do every day is I get to look at this stuff and just kind of, yeah, have my mind blown. It's great. I love speaking to nerds. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank um, you. Thank you. you know, what I was going to say before was, and that research you've done uh, about your investors, is that crypto, and I've got, I own $500 of Bitcoin, which I bought when it was at $13,000, whatever that meant. And I and I just remember sitting there with my son a couple of years ago and we thought, we may as well just get into this. So we somehow bumbled yeah. our way and gave, you know, $500 each to someone that gave us a very small portion of a Bitcoin. I think one of the problems with it is I still sit on it. It's worth today. I think it's worth like 1900 bucks. That's awesome. I have no idea how to sell it. I have no idea how to get that 1900 bucks. And that's because I've been slack and hopeless. But from what I've, I've spoken to other people, and many people say it's, it's a really easy thing to buy. It's a really hard thing to realise. Well, that's, that's a shock and shame. And they should come to us at BTC because we'll help you with that. So the way our exchange works and other exchanges like ourselves work, you know how you're used to with, say, the ASX? where you've got one exchange, so the price that they list is the only price available in the market. Here at BTC and with other exchanges, it's all peer-to-peer. So it's you and me trading, it's me and Bob trading, it's Bob and Frank trading, it's all these people trading off each other. So the price is set literally by the market forces interacting. There is no third party, it's just the forces. But what that means is that on other exchanges, the price could be different. Not hugely different, but there may be a slight differential between what one exchange group of buyers and sellers are going for. Well, it's a bit like the tote. It's a bit like the the horse racing tote by state. Yeah. It's a gamble. So you're getting it now, right? (laughs) It's, well, now, I don't like, I don't like to gamble because I don't like it. But um, so people come to us and they can buy and sell to an exchange such as ourselves. Or other, there are other exchanges. It's not just ourselves, obviously. But that's where you go. That's where you come to an exchange. Of, for us, we're a member of Blockchain Australia. We're based here in Australia. Our team are here in Australia. We're an Aussie exchange. And we are under the regulation of Austrax, so for AML, KYC, kind of all those kind of counter-terrorist financing, all that stuff. We're, we're regulated under all of that. Overseas exchanges, it's a different story. So I, you know, I don't want to kind of speculate what that would mean. But I would suggest to anyone looking to buy or sell or come into it, do a bit of research, look around and see what exchanges. I mean, we've been around since 2013, which in crypto terms means we're like a granddad. God, are you ever... 
Thank you very much. So, so just to be clear on that, what you're saying is there are exchanges. I think I bought mine through Coinbase. It's an app, is that right? Yeah, there could be, yeah. There is an exchange. BTC Markets is another exchange, and these are places where we go to buy or sell our cryptocurrency. You mentioned, Caroline, there are thousands of cryptocurrencies. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to have to work our way through as business owners. Is it like anything? Does the I'm, I'm guessing the 80-20 rule applies, if not the 99-1 rule applies, where there's like 99% of them like, forget about it, leave it to the geeks. There's 1% that we need to worry about as business owners, which is what, Bitcoin, Ethereum and something else? Well, it depends on what you're looking at it for. So if you're looking at it, I know that the questions that you'd asked or that your viewers had asked were relating to payments, which is all valid and we can go into crypto and payments. But there's a whole other aspect to crypto currency and blockchain technology than just speculation or, or payments. So particularly if you're talking about, say, provenance of your goods, you're a small business owner. Say you deal in like leather handcrafts or something, you know, something that's that's got a lot of time, value and effort has gone into this and hard to replicate. So what blockchain can do using that tokenization, they can add an element of verification that follows your goods, no matter where they go in the world, that that provenance can be attached to your goods. So if I know that there's a project here in Australia that looks after beef, exporting Australian beef, that when particularly when it goes to China, that can add that verification of provenance to those goods that are going through the supply chain so that they can't be tampered with, they can't be messed with, and so that the end consumer knows exactly what it is that they're getting. But more importantly for you as a supplier, you can check in on your goods at every step along the way. So there's more use cases to it than just you know, speculation or payments or, or anything like that. There's a whole heap of stuff out there. It's really exciting. As you know, I went out to my listeners last week, Caroline, and said, hey, what questions do you have around cryptocurrency, not from an investment point of view, but we will cover that later in our chat, but from how businesses can make best use of cryptocurrency as a way of pricing product, as a way of paying suppliers, all that kind of stuff. So let's get stuck into it because I got a lot of questions. Some of them doubled up. So I've kind of just gone with the first one in each topic that got in first. So David Kitson, who's from Hack Architecture, asks, as a business owner, I have no intention of trading cryptocurrencies. So why should I be interested in them? Well, I think, and that's a good question. And it kind of goes back to the earlier piece I was saying about the other use cases of blockchain. So If you're in architecture, I imagine there's a lot of IP attached to the work that you do. And using blockchain technology, you can protect the IP behind your work. It can be uh, verified as yours and can be used in a court of law as a form of verification that this is yours, your work. Um, Particularly interesting if you're looking at, as I say, cross-border and and so forth, kind of sets, buying and selling. That would be my first point on that. I would also say that... You know, that there's every good reason to have some hesitation. I think that's a very astute thing to do if you're in small business looking at this now. By all means, be hesitant about the use cases. Do not write this off. This technology has only started and its use cases are only being developed as we speak. So while it may not have relevance directly to your business today, I can remember when the internet first started. And people were 
rightly confused about what a website was and email and all the rest of it. And it took a few years. So that would be what I would suggest for small business owners. Right. Are we going to get to a point, Caroline, when I walk into a travel, a, a shop, travel agent, a bookshop, you know, a department store, and the product has a price that is 0.007% of a Bitcoin? And I then get my phone out and tap it and I've just paid for that product or service in bitcoins. Is that going to happen? Likely. Likely. So, <laughs> okay, uh, alongside a dollar price. Yep. Uh, so I can pay in Australian dollars or I can pay in bitcoin. However, and I guess the, the Australian dollar fluctuates, but bitcoin fluctuates. And then I've bought bitcoin at a certain price the small business owner has priced his or her product or service at a certain Bitcoin price. I, I, my, my head actually can't so, stretch to what the question yeah. is. But do you know what I'm getting at? I do. I, do, I, do, I know what you mean. Because right now you're thinking about it purely just as Bitcoin. There's a whole other world out there. Of There's another similar coin called, say, for example, Litecoin, which is kind of like the baby sister to Bitcoin, which is... L-I-T-E? L-I-T-E. It is less expensive. It is quicker in, pro- in transaction processing. It is purposely trying to be a payments token. So there's that aspect. There's another crowd called stable coins, another concept to blow your mind. And stable coins use the same technology principles as cryptocurrencies, your bitcoins, etc. But what stable coins do differently is that they're pegged to a fiat currency. So the best known stable coins would be the likes of Tether and USDC. They're pegged dollar for dollar with the US dollar. Got it. So while you're paying in, you can pay in USDT or you can pay in whatever the stable coin is that you like, but it'll be pegged to that fiat currency. Where the advantage is, is in speed of transaction, um, the surety behind it, the fact it's all happening on the blockchain, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not to say that there won't also be a market for, or couldn't also be a market for other cryptocurrencies. The the flaw in anyone's plan would be to limit or put boundaries around where this tech can take us. In three years' time, the research I saw in three years' time, 98% of Australian transactions will be cashless. That's government research accelerated by COVID. Yeah. Well, that, that does, that's no surprise there. But then what's, what's the split between cash and cryptocurrency? My, my point with that is more about the speed at which change comes through. Right. Got it. So that's something to keep in mind. And people are becoming very, very familiar with the use of digital currencies through digital dollars and so on. As someone who's a grandmother of the industry <laughs> and you don't Thanks look like a, you don't look <laughs> like a grandmother but if you had a shop doesn't matter what the shop is if you owned a small business today would you be pricing your product in a cryptocurrency i think that i would be alert to what was happening so let me tell you other piece of news which would be of interest to a small business owner so the likes of visa paypal and mastercard are not just stepping in gingerly to crypto. They are now wading right in with cryptocurrency as payment forms. So PayPal now in the US allow their clients there to buy, sell and hold crypto through their platform. This year, PayPal will allow their clients to pay for goods in crypto. 
So I, so I'm using my PayPal platform. I can pay for something in Bitcoin, but the recipient, the seller, will receive in fiat. So they receive in US dollar. Fiat, what do you say? Dollar, fiat. Fiat. F I A T, which is basically means what you and I would know as Australian dollar, US dollar, etc. That's a fiat currency versus a cryptocurrency. So PayPal are facilitating that. So the user experience is one of spending in crypto. The recipient is one of is still receiving in a currency that they already know. Mastercard are going see you guys and they're taking it to the next level entirely where they're now going to have the whole process flow entirely in crypto so not only do i pay in crypto but you receive in crypto all through the mastercard payment rails if i want That's to glo- if you want to yeah wow this will be a very different interview when by the way not if you and i get back together in three years time i think i feel like we are really like, you've been doing this since 2013, as you said, but like, geez, it's like dog years, isn't it? One human year is like seven crypto years. That's how it feels sometimes, I have to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. Okay, Tim Phillips, PNC Bank, asks, when will cryptocurrency stop being ethereal and become relevant in the real world? Very subjective question, I guess, uh, in the sense that that's how he views it. But again, probably a, a reflection of many small business owners out there. Yep, and I think that's why the likes of what we're seeing with MasterCard coming through Yes, I think probably answers that question. It, it needs a big brand, doesn't it? It needs a big brand or some brand to just make it. Well, even in the US, say, the likes of Square in the US and other payment platform are now taking in as uh, use the use of cryptocurrency. But also you've got like companies like MicroStrategy and Tesla who have come out and said, we're converting part of our treasury into Bitcoin. And Elon Musk has been very outspoken about it, as is Michael Saylor, who's the CEO of MicroStrategy, both listed companies. And they're out, out and out and saying, yep, we're, this is what we see the use of Bitcoin. They see it as a deflationary asset to protect against, I suppose, the, the printing press of the US dollar. And that's their reaction to it, because the thing with Bitcoin in particular, just talk about Bitcoin, is that it's limited in number. Only 21 million will ever be minted. The no more will ever come out, as opposed to what we're seeing with other governments where, or government control currencies, where they have a treasury and they've got a whole other things they have to answer to in terms of political outcomes and, and an economy that they need to look after, whereas Bitcoins are different. They just keep printing money. So does, is that the same for all cryptocurrencies, no. that they have a ceiling? No. no. So that makes Bitcoin quite interesting because scarcity comes into play and, you know, I guess it's like gold. There is a limited amount. Exactly. That's exactly it. And, and so there are kind of other versions similar to Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash and, and BSB, they all have their own history with, with Bitcoin that have similarly put that limit in, in terms of how many will ever be minted. But that's because they were looking at it very much from a use of it as a payment, store of value kind of thing. Whereas if you look at, say, Ripple, which is XRP and, and which is another payments platform and, or any of these other ones, they're all different uses. They're all different use cases entirely. So they won't have the same structure to the protocol at all. It's really interesting. Is the confusion lifting around all things crypto? I do hope so. What's not confusing is the book I wrote showing you how to create helpful marketing. Marketing that gets you more loyal customers and makes you more money. It's called The Boomerang Effect 
and you can grab a copy over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com for just 30 bucks or at today's rate, about 0.00042% of a Bitcoin. Now, back to Caroline. Chris Sullivan of your local tyre centre asks why there's so many options in cryptocurrency. You have explained that, uh, the fact that there are thousands of options. Each yes. comes with their own features and benefits. I guess the, the follow-up question to Chris's is, is there a place where I can go as a business owner and see the features and benefits of you know, various cryptocurrencies so I can decide which one's best for my business? Yes, you can do, well, there's education through our own site. I know that was something that we're very much looking to build out is kind of the, the education around it. Some research, a desktop research, I hate to say it because I know SME owners are extremely busy and thin on time. I've been one myself. I know exactly what it feels like. So I would probably, you know, start with some desk, dip your toe in, see how you get on, see what you're comfortable with. But I would also say that just become aware of it. You don't need to become an expert in it. Now, one thing I will say is that here at BTC, we've seen a marked increase in the number of small businesses that are opening accounts with us to the point that we've had to hire another headcount specifically to look after the number of businesses and kind of non-individuals, as we call them, that are coming onto our exchange. Do you know why these small businesses, why, as investors, so they can trade? Mixed reasons, yeah, mixed reasons. Partially curiosity, partially to manage treasury, their own small treasury, their own little cash reserves, whatever they have, and part of its investment. They're all in have to, to see, you know, what is this about and, and how it makes sense for them and, and for their business. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. We might have answered this question, but Greg Soster from Outside Space asks, is cryptocurrency worth considering for our day-to-day transactions? I think what you said, it, uh, have awareness, and so therefore listening to this podcast episode is, is creating that awareness. Develop some understanding is it worth right now considering it as part of your day-to-day transactions? Probably not is the vibe I'm getting, but it's around the corner. Yeah, the reason being is that for a small business owner, you're looking at buying in the technology to help facilitate that. So you're waiting for the MasterCards, the PayPals, etc. those solutions. There are other white-label solutions out there. But you're waiting for those to come in because, you know, you, you're specialising in your own piece of work. You're not specialising in this. That's how it's going to happen. Penny just dropped for me. The penny just dropped. There you go. That's how it's going to happen. What, what, yeah, so we're going to leave it to the Visas and the MasterCards and the Amexes of the world. And it's a bit like when you're overseas and the person in the shop says, would you like to pay for that in Australian dollars or US dollars, for example? And you nominate. Yeah. It sounds like what's going to happen at some point is, would you like to pay for that in dollars or Bitcoin? And you're going to be asked. That, exactly. And even, even the, the business owner, they've just said to Amex and Visa and MasterCard, provide us that option. We're not going to manage it, but just give us that option as a business, right? As a business. And it won't just be Bitcoin. It could be whatever predetermined ones are either decided by MasterCard or decided by the shop owner or decided by the person who's spending the money. Paul Newenhouse of Hooked Online asks, how can I accept cryptocurrency as a payment method on my website and which one should I choose? I know we're sort of going, I feel like sometimes we're going back 
on what you've already covered, but these specific questions, if you could just, you know, answer Paul. Well, with that, you'd probably want to look up a third-party provider, a white-label provider. You can do it yourself. It is possible to do it yourself. And they can send their crypto directly into your own what's termed crypto wallet. Whether you want to do that or get a third party, such I think this company is called BitPay, and, and there's loads of different solutions out there that will help you do that. There are options, but do some research, obviously, and get comfortable with it and, and know what you're doing. But again, I kind of point to the fact that, you know, look, we know that the big boys are going to bring out solutions this year. Yes. Maybe hang tight and see what comes off the back yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is a follow-up question from me based on Paul's question. Can you provide two examples of small businesses that are successfully paying suppliers and accepting cryptocurrency from customers right now? I do have, if I can find the details, I know that there was, for example, a construction company in Sydney, I think it is, called V-Built. And I know that they have an interest. I know that they use cryptocurrency. They've been public about it. And I think their point of view is perhaps more so perhaps on the investment of, of crypto. But I know that they're, that they're one company who've gone public. Off the top of my head, I don't. Uh, I do know. Oh, that actually, that's a lie because I do know that there's a pizza company in Fitzroy that accepts Bitcoin. But I won't tell you how I know that. <laughs> <laughs> because you live in Fitzroy and it's your local pizza joint? Good, but I, I can make no further comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite telling that you had to scratch your head and... Look for examples. It's not ubiquitous. It's, no, this is no, such it's an not. early. I didn't realise how early this conversation that we are having yeah. is. Yes, it, it, it is. That also means people shouldn't be intimidated by it. It's early days. Well, that's certainly the aim of today. And um, wow, you know, like two companies, V built and some pizza joint in Fitzroy. I'm going to look for that. <laughs> I'm going to see, I, I might even talk to them because, you know, like, that's really interesting. Anyway, let's move on. Ben Carlton of Aquacooler. Although we're open to the idea of accepting cryptocurrency, a major barrier is the volatility versus the Aussie dollar. Are there services that day peg the value of cryptos at a standard rate, say a month at a time, to allow us to price with certainty for a month at a time? Great question. Yeah, that's a great question. That would be your stable coin. That would be what? That would be the stable coin that's pegged to the Aussie dollar, US dollar, GBP, Euro, whatever you're into yourself. Yeah, right. That would be that. There's, and here's another one to blow your mind. There's a thing called central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, which are digital currencies issued by central banks. The Europeans are looking at it very strongly. China has already brought out its prototypes. The tires are being kicked on it in the US. It's being floated worldwide as a discussion point. So it would be the Aussie dollar, but using digital currency technology. And once you're in that kind of realm of discussion, these aren't discussions that, that tend to just shrivel up. Hmm. These, these things tend to get momentum behind them. I don't want to disappoint you, but it didn't blow my mind because I didn't really understand it. But that's okay. Oh, okay, but- that's all right. <laughs> You will. I know, I know. Again, I'm going to listen to this in three years' time before I talk to you again. Ron Schroeder of Rainman Desalination asks, I understand the Forex type risk of holding and trading in a volatile currency. What is required to accept Bitcoin for trade payments? Not e-commerce, but just receiving payments. Is he, I guess he's asking around what hardware and software do I need? 
It's too early, Ron. Yeah, very early. But what I would also say as well, I'm not a qualified tax advisor, but there are tax considerations here in Australia around it. I know that there is a CGT element for disposing of cryptocurrency unless it's for what they call the term as personal use. And that kind of personal use element seems to be as much around how long you're holding that cryptocurrency for. The shorter time frame, the better to, to be considered for personal use. And for businesses, it's to do with whether it's a CGT or ordinary income. So those are considerations for any business to keep in mind and talk to their own tax advisor, obviously, about it, about these considerations. The ATO has got some pretty good resources available on its website. And I know that there are like kind of Q&A forums hosted by the ATO to answer some of these questions that business owners might have as well. But that would be a something else I would, I would whatever from the technology piece, get your tax sorted. <laughs> Crystal Cox of Tiny Bytes Dentistry asks, is there anything to stop governments from banning cryptocurrency used by their citizens? That would be challenging, I would suggest. Only from, I mean, if you look at the US try to ban alcohol for 13 years, <laughs> didn't work out quite so well over there either. I don't think you can ban this. This is like, this would be like trying to ban the internet. This would be like trying to take down a, a massive piece of the digital economy. It'd be like trying to ban Guinness in Dublin. It, which would be just frankly impossible. <laughs> but even but not even that, it would be incredibly foolhardy to try and ban this. You, you're trying to put the grains of sand back. Stay away, government. Ben Porter of cuffed.com.au asks, Bitcoin has an amazing brand and it's accepted in quite a few places. I'm not sure that's the case after having spoken to you, Caroline, but it's equivalent to gold as a store of wealth. Transactions are slow and costly. Despite so many new coins, none have the recognition of Bitcoin and none look like they will ever replace the humble credit card. Do you think crypto will ever replace, say, Visa? Uh, I don't need to answer that question because Visa have done it for me. Thank you, Visa. That's right. And they are, in fact, they're working with banks in the US to help use the visa infrastructure so that banks can take in cryptocurrency for their clients in the banking industry. I think that that if you look at the direction that, that as I say, that these payment giants, PayPal's, the Visa's, the Square's, the Mastercard, if they're jumping into it, there's obviously something more to it. Right? Something's going on. Right. Ben raises an interesting comment around Bitcoin has an amazing brand, and it does. Yet, from what I understand, none of these cryptocurrencies have embarked on any type of marketing or branding or advertising campaign, I think Bitcoin's probably got an amazing brand because it was the first. And it's almost like, you know, we talk about Kleenex for tissues or Hoover for vacuuming. Bitcoin is the all-encompassing statement for cryptocurrency, which can be good and can be bad. Are we likely to see cryptocurrencies, you know, with fancy logos and fancy billboards and all that or...? They have to refine and spend their time and their money refining their use cases more so than looking after a global brand building exercise for now. Say the likes of Ripple with XRP, that's owned by, and the people who are who run that are actually backed in part by banks. Bank of Santander and, and uh, Standard Chartered Bank, I think, are two of the early investors in that. So there is within their arsenal the ability to brand on a broader scale as they want, but it just hasn't reached 
for whatever reasons within their own, they haven't reached that point yet. It's still early days, early days. If, you, if you're going to market something, you're going to expect a return on your investment. If I own a cryptocurrency, am I clipping the ticket on each transaction? Is that how I, the owner is making money? For a small business owner who's taking in crypto? No, for the owner of the cryptocurrency. How are they making money? So there would be, it's not so much clip the ticket, but you would say, for example, if you're using Ethereum, to use their platform, you burn gas, which in their case is Ethereum, the token, every time you put a transaction through. So yes, you do technically clip the ticket when you use it. But there's also... For them, they would have their own quantity of the token held back in reserve in their own treasury. So they wouldn't put every single thing out into the market in one go. So they would have a stash that they can then use to fund their business as time goes on. South Perth Cycles, no name here, but South Perth Cycles ask, how should I leverage my business to take advantage of crypto gains? I think we've answered that. Yeah, leverage your business. There's an awful lot to it. <laughs> well, you know, right now it's probably understand it and sit tight, watch this space. Yeah, and if you have to ask that question, you probably have to do more reading. Jason Asuno of Learning Space asks, and I'm going to add in the future to the start of his question, in the future, should all businesses accept cryptocurrency? If not, which industries is it most suited to? I think that in the future all businesses will accept a crypto or a derivative or a kind of a crypto or something that's underpinned by cryptography, 100%. Yeah, through a credit card that they're accepting, yeah. basically. Yeah. That's where it's going to happen. Desiree of, and I love this business name, Coco Kaboo Doggy Deodorizers. <laughs> I'm sorry, I want to buy something from that business, just on that name alone. Uh, Desiree asks... What happens with GST? How do I pay the tax man with cryptocurrency? You don't pay the tax man with cryptocurrency. You will always pay the tax man in Aussie dollar because it's the tax man. And the ATO are astute and across it when it comes to cryptocurrencies. And they have a lot of resources on their site that you can go to and they will help advise you. No doubt. I might find the links to those and put them in the show notes for people who want to find them. Bob Wheeler of Rapid Recovery. Long-time listener is Bob. How in the hell... <laughs> bit of emotion in Bob's question. How in the hell can I take cryptocurrency as payment? And if I do, what are the fees? How do I get real money in my bank for taking it? And how do I count the revenue for my taxes? And then he slams the desk. <laughs> well, his questions are being answered. Yes. By, well, say if you wanted to do it like with the PayPal potential solution where I will pay Bob in Bitcoin, but he will receive the payment in Aussie dollar. So then it takes away for him that question of how do I account for it on my books? How do I pay the tax man? How do I do it? That's all taken care of. And he can price. And this is the thing. It's, it's also as, as much about, I suppose, the more fluid pricing models that you can put in place depending on what it is that you're selling. Because, you know, if you're in, say, like F&B, your price can move up and down throughout the day, also based on where the Bitcoin price is or, or whatever currency you're underpinning it in. These are all really, really good questions. And some of the solutions are already out there and others are being built and are going to come. And it, But what it's really telling for me is the curiosity of the small business owner, like we said, but also 
people are considering it. People are thinking about it clearly in a very methodical thought through, how do I accept this manner? And it kind of sits exactly with what we saw in the exchange and in our own research. We're chatting with Caroline Bowler of BTC Markets. She's the CEO, so we've gone straight to the top here. Um, (laughs) Caroline, really appreciating this. I've still got about six questions from business owners before I ask you a couple of questions around how we become millionaires before the end of the day. So thank you so much for your patience and (laughs) humour around a topic that I know you are passionate about and about which we are completely nonsensical about. You know, one of the things, just as a marketing tip, if I may, for BTC Markets, this list of questions would be an awesome knowledge centre for your website to basically take one question, one great answer per page. I mean, you're nodding your head and going... Because that's exactly what our marketing person is now working on. As you said that, I got these questions too and over Anthony was like, come here, I think we need to have a look at some of these and... That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to build this out and Yeah, that's explain. great. I, I'll... Yeah. Um, I'm going to prepare an invoice after this interview. Um, it's going to be in Ethereum. So I'm, I'm very good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jason Naylor of Unfold Business Coaching asks, "What's the environmental impact of crypto?" Mm. So Bitcoin. This is where it gets very technical. So bear with us. So there's a consensus mechanism. Remember what I was saying about how the cryptography and the daisy chain that when you connect the two, there's a piece of cryptography that makes that link. Mm-hmm. So in Bitcoin, that consensus mechanism, that piece of cryptography that melds them together, needs a lot of computational power. It's called a proof of work, and it requires a lot of computational power to create those links. So that's where the environmental question comes in. Other crypto, other blockchains that are the consensus mechanisms, other ones that link, use what's called proof of staking, which is where it basically proves that you have skin in the game. And that doesn't have the same environmental impact. This is something that's happened and come through in the last couple of years as Bitcoin's become increasingly challenging and purposefully increasingly challenging to reach those and do that computational power. So the environmental impact has increased. Got it. Okay. Bit of, a bit of brown coal required to run this, this industry is what we're hearing. Luke Moulton. Lead Sync. Luke, FYI, uh, host of this podcast for the first 80 episodes. This is episode 540-something, but he's lovely that he's still there in the background somewhere and asking a very geeky question, which he always used to do when he was my co-host. He says, and I don't even know if I've got the spelling right here, can you explain NFTs, non-fungible tokens? Or is that meant to be non-fundable tokens? Non-fungible, non-fungible. Non-fungible. And what they mean for content creators selling their creations. Lukey, that is just... <laughs> Caroline, what can you... How do you even answer that? So I think that that's probably quite an advanced question for this podcast. He's quite an advanced young man. So yeah, I get that. Um, so non-fungible means it can't be interchangeable. Your one Aussie dollar coin is exactly the same as another Aussie dollar coin. They're interchangeable. What NFTs are cannot be swapped. They are unique. Are NFTs cryptocurrencies? No, it's, it's again, it's a use case using that technology on the blockchain. So it's a tokenized technology, but it's not the same as Bitcoin. 
an NFT, the reason why you have an NFT would be, so non-fungible token, would be to say that this product, this piece of art, this thing I've designed, this is the original, and there is only one of these tokens linked to that original that proves it. So it would be like, say, for example, with the Mona Lisa, there's the one in Paris, and then there's however many, endless number of copies all over the world. The NFT, the non-fungible token, would be attached to the one in, uh, in Paris, and that would be where there's attached, and then everything else would be a copy. So the reason why, in particular, well, the reason why the original is worth so much more money compared to the copies is because it's the original. Well, that's awesome for content creators. What a great benefit for them to be able to attach a non-fungible token to the original piece. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So they can build this whole ecosystem all around it. But for the sake of that question, that's that's the short answer for that question. Trish Raj from the Chartist uh, has two questions and she apologises profusely for having to. The first one is there are so many different cryptocurrencies. How do you know which currencies to accept? I think we've covered that. Question two, when currencies like Bitcoin have a, such a huge dollar value, how do you price your product or service? Is it in fractions of a Bitcoin? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Yes. Simple. <laughs> cool. Uh, David at Myo Masters Massage. If I wanted to go, isn't it great that a masseur is asking questions about cryptocurrency? I think it's wonderful. If I wanted to go about trading in digital currencies, how does a mum and dad sized business go about that? Or do you see digital currency more as an investment? So if you want to go trading in digital currencies, mum and dad sized businesses can join the others that have come onto BTC and have dipped their toe in. Uh, and we'll probably come to it under the investment piece, but we would advise to come in, get comfortable. There's a lot of differences in trading in digital assets as opposed to trading on a traditional exchange market. We advise caution until you get familiar with it. Um, but we'll come on to that in the investment piece. So that would be why I'd say to David for that question. It's exciting that you're going to tell us how to become millionaires very, very shortly. So Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say about that too, because I clearly <laughs> am not. So that should be an interesting one. Um, and this is, or do you see digital currencies more as an investment? I think that, well, it's not that necessarily that I think it is, but Bitcoin is now being viewed as that longer term investment. I think that's pretty fair to say. So, but that's just one. There are, as I say, there are myriad others. We ourselves only have about 21 trading pairs on our exchange, so we don't have a large volume of that. And that's a purposeful decision because it's, yeah, we, we decided to keep it relatively limited. Sia from Michael's Stanhope Gardens asks, what is a Bitcoin farm? What do they do there? Ah, is this a place we can visit and see little Bitcoins being born? No, gosh, you don't really want to go to yeah, unless you have a, 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 a penchant for going to outer Mongolia and looking at it, it's somewhere really, really cold. So Bitcoin farms are where, I remember I was saying to you about how daisy chain, consensus mechanism, proof of work, computational power, environmental impact. It's because they use a lot of energy and it gets really, really hot on these Bitcoin farms because of all of these like huge, vast rooms of computers, like massive, massive computers purring through. So they go somewhere that where the electricity is really cheap and it's really cold. Oh, they really do. Yeah. So they're off in these remote locations elsewhere in the world where there's very inexpensive electricity, in particular China, because electricity was inexpensive and there's some really blinking cold places there. Just to understand that, I had no idea. So there are farms. 
Oh. Big warehouses, yes. big black boxes yep. running the whole blockchain crypto. Car- and and is it like does each brand of crypto have its own farm or is it? That's just Bitcoin. Oh, it's just Bitcoin. That's just Bitcoin. None of the others are big enough to warrant having a farm. Or they don't need because of that proof of work versus proof of stake. The different ways that they do the cryptography, that consensus mechanism piece. It's because it differs. And so they don't all have to have the same setup as Bitcoin. And also Bitcoin's huge and been around the Jeez, longest. there'd be some security around the Bitcoin farm, wouldn't there? I'd imagine so. Last question before we all become millionaires. Nicole Ashby of High Profit Media asks, I would dearly love to know how to get paid in Bitcoin and other cryptos instead of good old flat currency. I think we've answered that. And the answer, yeah. get, just to make sure I've got this, my big learning here is that the pressure's off us small business owners. We're just waiting on MasterCard, Stripe, Amex, <laughs> PayPal, Visa to sort it out for us. And that's how we are going to pay and accept crypto. For payments, yeah. Or there are other part, third-party providers you can go to. You don't have yes. to wait for them. If you're super keen, you can definitely do that. Bosch is a shorthand, you know, that's only because I know in particular that they're coming. So that's, I can speak with some confidence about them. All right, we're nearly there. Well, we, we actually, we are there. We're chatting to Caroline Bowler. She is the CEO of btcmarkets.net and we are now going to be told what crypto to buy, <laughs> when, for how much and when to sell it for a gazillion dollars. <laughs> Caroline, I, I'm being half facetious, but I can't help but think you've been in this for so long and all your friends would be like this to you, I'm sure. Should I buy it? Should I buy it? <laughs> Let's just ask you a simple question. If you were to invest $1,000 today in crypto, and I know you're not a financial advisor and none of us are going to hold you to it, it's just a pie-in-the-sky question. Which cryptocurrency would you buy? Why? And how would you time your investment? So I am not a financial advisor and I'm not qualified to give financial advice and this is not advice you need to bank your portfolio on, just to put all of that out there. What I said, like, so my dad asked me, I don't know, maybe a year ago, he wanted to get into crypto. How do I do it? And it's my dad, right? So if I mess up, my mother's going to kill me. So it's a double whammy. And what I said to him was, what I'd say to anyone who's listening to this, do a bit of reading, get some education, get comfy with it, and come in, invest at a point that you're comfortable with. If it's a tenner, then it's a tenner. Don't feel like you've got to come in guns blazing. Mm -hmm. Don't feel like you've missed the boat. Don't come in with that sense of FOMO. That's madness. Stick a tenner in. Fiddle around with it. Give it a go and see how you are. The major coins are your Bitcoins, your XRP, which is Ripple, your Ethereums, Litecoins, and there are other bigger projects that are coming through. Have a look at them. That's not investment advice. That's just saying, have a look at them. Yes. But they're the larger and probably the better known of the projects. So get comfy with them. Even if it is a question of just sticking a tenner in. It's not the answer I was looking for. No, it's not. But this is the answer you're going to get. <laughs> because this is the answer that, was that worked for my dad. This is what's worked for him. So he did that, got comfortable, built up, added to it has made a very nice little bit of profit for himself. Nice. As he keeps on, yeah, because he keeps on asking me how much have I made today, Caroline? He's driving me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. My mother is the same. Like, how much has your father made, Caroline? But the point of that being is that 
I don't want people to think of this as being somewhere where I can just day trade my way to millions because that's blinking hard to do. But if you're coming in instead of recognizing that this is a new asset class, a new asset class to invest in, then that's a different ballgame. And that's that's where you can really make some astute decisions. Well, sp- speaking of asset classes, Aaron from Mulberry asks, have I, f- I have funds aside in my business in case of a rainy day or a year like 2020. Yeah, right. I would like to invest these funds. In the long term, does a term deposit or an investment in cryptocurrency seem like a better idea to you? So this is an interesting one. It's uh, I can't possibly advise I don't know what your financial background is, um, Aaron, but it's a really good question. Something else to consider is a product called staking, which you can earn. The most best comparison I can give would be similar to interest, it, like, as you would in a bank account, or like a coupon on a bond. Is this thing? Is this product called staking? Not all of the cryptos do it. Some of them do. Uh, one that we listen to our exchange is called Algorand, and they do it. And what they provide then is a small percentage return on a daily, monthly basis, yearly basis, obviously, paid out in that cryptocurrency. So you're not earning in, in Aussie dollar, you're earning in that crypto. But the few of them are doing it now. And that's an idea of having a look at that. If you're looking at trying to get familiar and conversant and seeing what else is out, what products are out there other than just a flat A or B decision, there's also a C and <laughs> there's a few other different ones out there. But that's that's worth having a look. Is it like a fund? No. A share fund? No, no. it's not. And I'm quick to say that. No, it's not. So uh, remember I was talking about that proof of work, proof of stake? Mm-hmm. And so when people are doing that proof of work, those miners that we've talked about in that farm, they all earn Bitcoin. That's why they do is they get paid in Bitcoin. With proof of stake, which is where the staking comes from, you put your skin in the game. You put money in your crypto and you say, because you've put in that crypto, you're more likely to want to have the right outcome for this concept. You're going to want that blockchain to retain its credibility, to be truthful. So that's the, that's the thinking behind it. So rather than doing all this work, computational work, they're saying, okay, if you put enough money in, we'll believe you that you, you're, that you want the right outcome for this cryptocurrency blockchain transaction. And that's it in a nutshell. And so you earn a little bit of a clip. Got it. On that staking. Caroline, that's the end of the questions. I am interested, before we finish, do you think a business owner listening to this episode and you answering all their questions, do you think they have a fairly rounded general view of cryptocurrency now? I think the takeaway should be that it went mainstream last year. It's only going to become increasingly mainstream. Don't feel panicked. Take your time. Get to know what it's about. There are mainstream solutions on their way to help you with that. Drop me an email if you really have questions. I'm, I'm happy to answer email questions about it. That's no problem. And I can do this again. What's your email? Caroline.bowler at btcmarkets.net. Drop me an email. Or we can do another session like this if there's more questions. That's awesome. But don't don't feel panicked about it. Don't feel rushed. It's coming. Early days. Early days. Well done for getting this far in this episode. You are a lot smarter than you were an hour ago. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. But it's right to have questions and you're right to be curious. And it's, you're absolutely damn straight to be like, what is this about? How on earth is it going to impact my business? I'm too busy. I don't have time. That's fine. btcmarkets.net is the business that you run. Right. If someone listening was curious about it, what can you do for them 
in this space. They can buy crypto from you. Yeah, absolutely. They can hold their crypto with you. Yes. They can get it when they need it. And sell it when they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Do you give advice? We don't, but we are connected in. We have some really smashing people in our network who we're happy to do some intros for. We know people who are tax specialists in this. We know people who are involved in SMSFs. We know people who are in the admin accounting side. We can help with all of that because it's not... I know there's this perception that we're all out smash and grab. We really aren't. And particularly here in Australia, there's this really, really solid core group of people who really smart, smart people who really want to see this progress in a really safe way, regulated way, hopefully. And we're part of that. And I'd be very happy to make any introductions. You're awesome. And I'm going to finish and I'm going to break all the rules of interviewing here, Caroline. Is there a question that should have been asked on behalf of small business owners? Regulation. Let me just give you the skinny on regulation. Right now, there isn't very much. Cryptocurrency is viewed as property or Bitcoin is viewed as property. So it's not considered a financial product. It's the same as gold. Gold is not considered a financial product either. So it's in, it's akin to that. There isn't the regulation that we want to see in place yet in Australia. I know that... In Europe, they're further ahead. The US is further ahead. The UK, further ahead. Singapore, Hong Kong, the same. What I do know, too, is that there was a Senate committee hearing a couple of weeks ago in Sydney. On the back of that, Senator Bragg and and the others on the committee are now pushing more and more or getting to understand the need for regulation on this space because we all want this to succeed. We want to weed out the bad actors clean it all up, but we recognise that this is a future and this is where it's going. So for us at BTC Markets, my job, as much as these conversations are, which I love, it's also about beating the drum on regulation. We, we can't wait to see more of that. So that's the only other question, the only other point I get across. It's coming. We're just helping them get there. Sit tight. Caroline, you've been very giving, very generous, and you have been able, for the most part, to take something that seems very complicated and make it quite accessible. So thank you for doing that. Oh, good. Thank you very much for having me. Well, there you go, team. Australia's leading cryptocurrency expert, Caroline Bowler of BTC Markets. I so hope that chat clarified a few things about what seems to be a pretty confusing topic for business owners everywhere. So know that you are not alone, but the fact that you have listened to that chat means you are better off and more informed than most. Well done to you. Next episode, we catch up with Will Davies, who's the founder of Car Next Door, which is a car sharing service born out of his search for being on purpose. He actually sold his seven-figure mortgage-broking business for a business that has him bouncing out of bed every single day. It's a great story. Hey, be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you've got something to tell me, Call the hotline on 0480-015-150. If you're from overseas, just put a plus six one in front of it and drop the first zero. That's confusing, isn't it? Hey, if you're loving the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, you'll find 543 more episodes on the Listener app. And as has been the case for the past 12 years, this podcast is presented by me, Timbo Reed, and geniusly pulled together by fill-in producer Beth Gibson as my other producer, Dave, takes a well-earned break. 
Have fun, Dave. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now. Listener.